Hello, this is William Easton, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. One hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar for the most important hour in your week. Hello, this is Bill Eastman. I'm the managing partner of the Growth Works and executive producer of Richmond Biz Live, and your host for the number one business talk radio show in Richmond. I should say based in Richmond, but uh, bring those syndicated guys on. Uh, they don't do what we do, not even close. Uh, we broadcast from the studios of WLE News Talk 990 from beautiful downtown Richmond every Friday at 12.06 p.m. If you're an ongoing listener, then you know who we are. We are finally that resource that you need to help you, whether you're a business owner or an executive in a, in a private enterprise, on how do you realize your dream of making that thing pay off for all the years of personal sacrifice and investments you've made into the business. And what we do is every week we share years of practical experience uh, about companies, and some of them are ours, that have grown from nothing to market leaders. In fact, the word I prefer is market dominators. That just sounds so much better to me to say I'm, I'm at the apex. I am the big dog in my industry. And our approach um, is basically to give you the tools inexpensively because it's broadcast live. You go to our website, you can download the materials. And the idea behind this is to maximize your strength, mitigate your weaknesses, and use the shortcuts that we give you. Um, everybody here that's on this show, um, the three, the, the three thought leaders we on, have on this morning or this afternoon are all recognized thought leaders in their fields, whether we're talking locally here in the greater Richmond area, nationally throughout the United States or internationally. And we cover areas like finance, branding, strategy, marketing, sales, productivity, technology, and people. Everyone is and has been a successful business owner and entrepreneur and all they're going to do is offer what they have learned over the years, the good and the bad of it. So what do you need to do? Well, it's pretty simple. This is the ultimate power lunch. Be here every Friday at 12.06 and make this the most significant 54 minutes in your week. It is the ultimate power lunch. And before Jack was getting off on that guy about talking about other show hosts, I don't care who you listen to four days a week. You want to listen to the big rush man? That's fun. But he's not going to help your business. And so you can give that hour up and come on over here. Or if you listen to Jack, put another hour in because I'm sure if you're not in business, somebody in your family is, and this is the place to be. Watch, listen, or join. How do you do that? Well, you go to our website, richmondbizlive.com, and uh, you'll see three buttons on the front page. One, click the watch. It'll take you over to the camcorder, and you'll be able to see us live in the studio. Listen, click that, and you'll be able to directly stream this. So if you're outside of the listening area, WLE News Talk 990, then what you can do is you can listen to the show, or you can join in. Now there, it'll ask for your email address, and you can join our listener list, which has some real benefits I'll talk about later. But the most important way of getting in this is really simple, and that is dial us up, 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483 or 844.bizlive, B-I-Z-L-I-V-E, okay? If it's time for your business to pay you back, be here every Friday at 12.06 to watch, listen, and join to Richmond Biz Live. Okay, today's show, we've got three segments today. I've got uh, Mark Deutsch. 
Ben Meredith and myself going to be covering three segments. And the fun part about this season, as we started off, even though last Friday was kind of an intro, um, we're going we're gonna to really get out of the box because what we're going to be asking of you is to get out of your box, to change your frame of reference. Uh, we talked about companies that were looking to get the break even and maintain that over a period of time. We talked about companies who were trying to figure out what the next move was. We talked about companies that were the 5%, the high-impact firms, the stone brewings, the companies that, that, that people want to emulate and be like, well, this season is going to be how do you rethink everything that you do? So if I had to give it a name, it's called Rethink Everything. And so what do I mean by Rethink Everything? Well, how do I, how do I create an uncontested marketplace? And what I mean by that is how do I create something to where I don't have any competitors? Uh, because if I got competitors, then I've got different factors involved. What if I, um, uh, how do I become a pioneer? What if I get there first? Number two is how do I make my competitors irrelevant? What do I need to do to basically say, I don't care what they're doing because I'm doing something so different that the customer is just out of there. And number three is that if I'm engaged in looking at new trends and what's happening in the economy, how do I create and capture that new demand before anybody else? And because we know the rule of thumb here is, the first company big is the first company that wins. Now, what got us thinking like this was, you know, my background in physics. For people who don't know, I got engineering background, environmental engineering. I spent a long time as a marine scientist. And when you're looking at something, you're trying to describe it. What are you trying to do? Well, you say, okay, I, can I describe it based upon where it's located at the moment? Can I describe it based upon time? Can I describe it in terms of the properties that it possesses? Or can I describe it in terms of velocity or speed if it's in motion. And so we kind of applied those principles to say that maybe one of the ways to look at business is, for example, can I use location to change my location, the client's location, or the location of the transaction? Is there some way that I can do that? And when I hit on this one, I'm going to come back to it uh, in the third segment. I'm going to talk a little bit about Amazon and how Amazon has changed location. Uh, a second one is time. How do I eliminate time as a constraint, especially if I look at my customers? Well, um, think about what FedEx did to the world when overtime delivery, guaranteed overtime delivery took off. The third one is properties. What can I, is there anything I can change about what it is that I sell? And the properties are both tangible, kind of like what Apple does with the phone in terms of this seems that they have the ability almost to build soul into a product or the intangibles of an experience that I can get that I can give the customers that makes me different. I grew up in Florida. Uh, now, food is food, right? You go to a supermarket. I, I'm, I'm not originally from Richmond, so I don't get the U-Crops thing, but I definitely do because to this day, if I'm in Florida, I'll drive an extra 15 miles to go to Publix because there's some intangible about the experience that I just go to Publix. And I'm, for those people in Richmond, you say U-Crops. And then the issue of velocity of speed is there's something I can do about you know, something that took a week to produce, maybe I can get it done in a day. So here's what I want you to consider as I, I bring Mark in, and that is, as I look at my business, and again, this is all about you rethinking what you're doing, is there any of the factors that we have been building our products and services around that we take for granted are still critical? Can they be eliminated? Number one. Number two, is there any of those factors that perhaps had prominence that don't have prominence anymore, and I can reduce those. Number three, are there factors before that have been kind of secondary or tertiary? You know, they, they, they really they, they really weren't into the customer's buying decision, and suddenly they've got great prominence. 
Or finally, what factors can I create that nobody knows about that's not there yet? And that's how I'm going to create this space that has no competition. So I think that what you need to do is that you need to do two things. One is think about how this affects your business. And two, if you got a question, 844-249-5483. And with that, my long-term colleague and good friend, Mark Deutsch. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well, Bill. Great to be here. Happy New Year to you. Good Happy New Year to you. And, uh, man, I am psyched about this season because we don't have a script. That's true. It is, it is completely unscripted, which is great. So it, it's a very much like a reality TV show. And so I guess those are actually scripted to some degree these days, it, it seems. But also, <laughs> we can also, one of the things I'm going to talk about today is use of social media. So folks can also chime in to us on Twitter or on Facebook, right? They can go Richmond Biz Live on Facebook. Yep. I believe. And, and a great thing, as, as Bill mentioned earlier, you know, if, if you happen to not be able to make the show, you can listen to the audio files on the, the richmondbizlive.com website. Get a link there. You can also get access to some of the video files as we make those available. You can also ask us questions. So one thing I want to encourage folks to do this season in particular is to chime in via our social media, whether that's that's LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, wherever it may be, and ask your questions. So one of the experts we have available on the show can respond to your question on the air or respond to you online through social media. So I want to also just encourage folks this season to, to take advantage of that. And that's something I want to talk about today. Oh, Bill, my, my background, as you know, and for our listeners is in sales, marketing, uh, business networking, building your business by referrals and business strategy. Those are the areas of passion that I happen to, to be an expert in. And today I wanted to talk about, uh, as you tee things up, a couple of companies as examples. And one of those companies I wanted to discuss today is Charmin. And my approach for our listeners this season will be to talk about, and we're all going to be doing something like this, talk about some well-known brands and then some lesser-known brands that have applied the strategies and tactics we're going to address. Charmin happened to do a great job in the past year of what I want to talk about today, which is content marketing and building yourself up as a leader or a thought leader in your marketplace. Okay. It's a great way to rethink your business model coming into this year and separate yourself from your competition and discover those blue oceans, those markets out there that are non-competitive. And Charmin, for example, well-known brand. They've been around for a long time. I suspect a lot of people know them today for their commercials with the cute little bears uh, mm -hmm. taking care of their business out in the woods, right? They, they have that cute process going on. Well, last year in 2014, they rolled out a great strategy, which was they built an app. And a lot of companies are building apps, and most of them do it and they don't go anywhere. Charmin's has had a tremendous following because their app, if you appropriately or inappropriately, it's called Sit or Squat. So take a look at this on your phone. Sit or Squat and download this app. What it allows you to do is allows their customers to find public toilets and when, they, when they're on the go and use the app to find where people have rated, the crowd has rated whether a restroom is nice, if it's uh, sitable or if it's squattable. So if you can sit on it, great, it's nice. If you can't, you got to do the hover process you got to squat you rate that as well and it's gotten a tremendous following by building something relatively simple for the community and kind of fun and really brilliant they built this great app that creates a distance between them and their competitors you didn't think about that wow i would have never thought of that and I, I consider myself creative <laughs> well that's what i like of it. it's so <laughs> creative and that now that they've done it their competitors can't do anything similar because they'll look like a me too. That's right. If they do it, right? That's right. You get there first, you can stake the ground unless you blow it. That's right. That's right. You get there first and do it wrong. Right. So they, they did a great job on a national level. Now, since the, this show is coming out of Richmond, Virginia, I'll, I'll focus on a Richmond-based company that also has done a brilliant job. They're called Leadbury. So L-E-D-B-U-R-Y, leadbury.com is their website. I encourage folks to take a look at it. 
And Leadberry is, is a fascinating business model. They are considered a short-run shirting company is how their basic model started. Now they do other types of clothing, but they started out with short-run shirting. What that means is every week they come out with a new shirt. Then they send it overseas, get it manufactured, get it cut, and then they ship it out to their customers. So every week they're putting out a brand new product. And the way they've been able to do this is through the use of the crowd as well, similar to what Charmin did on an international scale. So, for example, with Leadberry, what they've done that's really, really smart, and I, I encourage you to take a look at this on their Facebook page, which is, uh, I think it's Leadberry LLC is their Facebook okay. page. If you take a look at their Facebook page, every week they have voting for their next product. So their, their team designs a shirt, then takes that image and puts it on their website. They'll have three or so, mm -hmm. and they'll let their followers, their fans, vote on which shirt they should produce the next week. And what's really cool about that is they've gotten press on international press. They've been on GQ. They've got celebrities wearing their gear. They spent a lot of time in New York City. They also just got another round of uh, venture investment and some funding, several million dollars in investment to expand their brand. So they're doing all the right things and hitting on all the right cylinders. Their Facebook page now has, and I'll have to take a look at my notes, as of this morning, over 87,000 friends on Facebook. Wow. On Twitter, also interesting, they've got 7,000 followers on Twitter, which pales in comparison to their Facebook following. They've also got a very active blog, which they use through Tumblr, another great company. They have a strong Instagram presence as well as a strong Pinterest presence. And what's really fascinating about that particular company is that they're a smaller company, local company here in the Richmond marketplace, and they've applied this principle in terms of content marketing and thought leadership brilliantly. And they're also only using properties that their community really cares about. Okay. Yeah. What I mean by that is the way to apply this strategy to any business out there, especially our listener businesses, is to have the tools accessible in the marketplace, such as social media, that you can really leverage to create tremendous distance between you and your competitors. They simply will not catch up with you if you execute right. these strategies properly. So what Leadberry did was they figure out what those were. It's going to the crowd to get involvement in producing their next product, which is great. They've gotten some good press, traditional press on TV. I think they've right. been on the Today Show or something as well. So they've gotten some good press as well as a result of their success and how they've leveraged social media to drive business for their business. But they also don't use things like LinkedIn that aggressively, maybe a, on a corporate level, but they're a business-to-consumer oriented right. business. And, and, and LinkedIn is just not the right platform. It's not the right platform. Yeah, because there's probably, what, 15 choices out there? At least, at least that's yeah. right. Yeah, I think that's that's part of what we'll talk about in, the, in a future show is how right. to manage your time as a business owner to leverage these. And we'll talk a bit today about what kind of resources do you need access to to help you with this. Right. Because you can't do it all no. yourself. And so they, they specifically picked out a few tools that they knew, for example, Instagram is great for their demographic. It's going to be a younger demographic. It's going to be an affluent demographic in some cases who can afford custom shirts that they, they create for people. And, of course, it's a pro it's a tangible product. So showing a photograph of it. Is, is is really the right choice as opposed to if you sold an intangible, what do you take a picture right. of? Absolutely, yeah. Bill. So, so if you look at their yeah. Tumblr blog page, a lot of pictures. Not so much writing all over the place on articles, but lots of pictures, lots of visuals. They're strong on Pinterest as well. Again, a visual medium to use. Yep. So those are great tools to consider for any business. So I would recommend several things that folks look at. First of all would be a blog. I think every business, no matter what kind of business you have, you should focus on creating a blog. The challenge with a blog is to constantly update that content. There's a lot of schools of thought of how often you should do it. It really depends on your business. And if that's a core part of your strategy, that you have a good following of people who follow your thoughts and your leadership, you might want to publish more frequently every day, perhaps. That's right. an awful I publish about once a week. 
I'd say I also chose, I think uh, Ben Meredith, another participant in our show, who's great, had a quote just yesterday, which is to do what you do best and write checks for the rest. And I yeah. love that. Do what yeah. you do best and write checks for the rest. So when it comes to social media strategies, for example, outsource what you can. So I've had help writing my blog posts, for example. So I hire a ghostwriter. She charges me a per article rate. Her name's Liz Morley. She's fantastic. And she knocks out articles for me and supplements what I can produce organically. So in that case, I decided to outsource some component of that work because I just can't do it all myself. I can put out short bursts, but she publishes more detailed blog posts for me. That's right. And on the blog post, you don't, you're, you don't really need to make them that long. If you look at most of the successful ones, they're probably half a sheet. And if you go back to your days of high school, you knew that there are 220 words to a sheet of paper. That's right. You, if you write a hundred word blog, you probably got it. Right. Absolutely. Any one of us could knock off a hundred words a day. That's right. So it, it's a matter of, of deciding if that strategy makes sense. I think that one applies really across businesses. It does. If you're more business to business as I am in, in my world of marketing advising, I focus on LinkedIn. It's strong mm -hmm. for me. Twitter also is pretty strong. I spend a fair amount of time there. Uh, Facebook is big. YouTube is good as well. So yep. for videos like these, right. great places to post content of speaking engagements and speaking. And also Google+. Plus is another big one, especially when it comes to search engine optimization. Google Plus is a great medium. Yeah, and I haven't figured out how to really apply Google Plus like the others. So maybe what we ought to do this season is have a conversation about each one of those. And I know having been in here, um, between the three of us, we probably have played and do our plan with all of them. That's right. Yeah, I, th I think so. So, well, yeah, we'll definitely. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll I'm I'll put a note here to make sure that we add that to our list. Okay, good. Add it okay. to the growing list of things to do, right? We'll, we'll get that. Oh, yeah, we'll get, we, we'll get we, that we, we're not out of a list of things to do. I can oh, tell another you. good one, I think that that you have used some as well, is SlideShare. Yes. So another great tool, and SlideShare is neat because it also integrates with LinkedIn, to where you can put presentations mm -hmm. you've done in PowerPoint decks and then drop those into your LinkedIn profile, as well as provide access to people that again follow your advice and follow your thought leadership in the market on SlideShare. So that's we we had over our first three uh, sessions that we did in season one had over thirty thousand downloads. Wow. The PowerPoint presentation. Outstanding. Yeah, yeah, very, very powerful tool. So so that's a great tool to consider. A couple other ones to, to quickly run through is uh, case studies are great. Every business should have case studies. Right. And, and easily, where I'm going with this also is to part of your process, again, to create more of a blue ocean, is to constantly drip quality information to your customers that like you. And so many businesses I find talk about we need a Facebook page. They'll, they'll start one and never do anything with it. Right. We'll start a Twitter account because we were told by social media guys we should have a Twitter account. They don't do anything with it. And that that's working against you because now as a competitor, I see that. And that's one of the first things I look at. Well, so I'm looking at a company. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm doing some due diligence. How active are you with these right. assets? There's a post from six months ago that works against you. That tells me you're not staying on top of your business. I'm not going to do business with you. So you also set these up and stay on top of them. It really separates yourself from the pack. Uh, so case studies are a great way to drip content to people that oh, they like are. you. And, and if, you, if people don't remember in the audience, uh, Ben Meredith said that you need about 15 touches before people start paying attention. So the idea of drip marketing is if you drip them, what, once a day, every other day, it could take you a month, two months before you, you begin to get to the point where they've heard enough from you and they kind of know who you are. And then suddenly we're in a sales process. They're not taking a cold call. That's right. That's right. And it's quality content. Bill. Yeah. It's, it's not just junk. You're not marking buy, yeah. buy, buy from me. It's here's a challenge, which is one of the purposes of the show. Here's a mm -hmm. business challenge. Here's an idea of how you can handle that challenge. Here's some content that maybe have helped you take it for what it's worth. And it positions you as that expert. So case studies, testimonials, 
another great, fantastic, underutilized tool I find is let other people say how great you are as opposed right. to you. It's just bragging. If you say right. it, even though it may be true, coming from other folks, it's got much more credence. So, And you are right on, on the social medias. Instead of everything is about buying or a sale that you're running, it's educating the customer that what your offer is is better than the competitors. Right. And it's truthful. And here's where it is. And what happens after a while, they trust you. And so, and so you're not really advertising anymore. You're really doing education. And again, we've talked a lot about how content marketing has changed. Everything that we do is that it used to be, I had to come to you to get a brochure to find out who you are. Now, by the time I talk to you, I've read all your brochures and I've, Absolutely. I've looked at Facebook and I've looked at your blogs and I've looked at all of that. I know you pretty well. That's right. So in your mind, what's the, what's the thing? What, what did, what did uh, Ledbury do to create their own blue ocean, their own space where they eliminated most, if not all, their competitors. I think what they really strongly did was they, first of all, identified their team. Right. So they surrounded themselves with people that understood the market they were going after. They understood their market. They executed beautifully, and they got their customers engaged. At the end of the day, they sought to get their customers actively involved in the product development and selection process, and I think that's really built their business. If uh, In your closing minute, if you had some advice to people on this particular example, where would you have them look? Um, to, to gain some more information. I'd have them look, look at the examples. Take a look at Charmin's app on a bigger scale. Right. Look at Ledberry's website. Sign up to their email newsletter. Sign up on their different services and see just how they're leveraging this content marketing as well. And a great source of information is the Content Marketing Institute. So just Google Content Marketing Institute. Institute. They, they've got volumes of information on there that can also help you to understand how to content market your business. Excellent. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Thanks Sam, for Bill. being in. Good to see you. All right. Mark Deutsch, and I work with small businesses to connect them with the resources they need to succeed. Whether that's as a CEO of the largest business referral network in Virginia, BNI, or as a co-founder of Richmond's Community Center for Entrepreneurs, Gangplank RVA, or as a partner in several other small businesses, I'm a seasoned entrepreneur with over 25 years of experience whose passion and purpose is creating jobs by creating successful small business owners. Learn more about me and my many adventures at markdeutsch.com. I'm Ben Meredith, and I help companies with their sales technology. I work with products like Salesforce, Act, or Zoho to help businesses improve their sales effectiveness by driving new revenue and improving customer service. You can spend a week or so searching for solutions by yourself or spend a couple of hours talking to me. Visit us online at benmeredith.com or contact me directly, 804-503-8700. Visit us online at richmondbizlive.com or on the air every Friday at noon, WLAE News Talk 990. And we're back. This is Richmond Biz Live, richmondbizlive.com. Our number is 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483. Or in shorthand, 844.bizlive. We're back in the studios. We're into, we're into show 41. I wow. cannot believe that. This is the second show of the fourth season and is all about getting out of the box. And in the studio is Ben Meredith. Good seeing you, Ben. Good seeing you. Yeah, Glad we, uh, Bill. uh, so who, who are you talking about today? Who you got? Well, I was looking around at, at, uh, at what I thought would be interesting companies and, and I thought I'd go back to my past a little bit. Okay. So you can uh, speak in detail. Uh, <laughs> what I can remember of it. Okay. Um, company that I thought was real interesting was telemagic. 
And uh, Linda Heath actually used this product way, way back in the 90s when I first met her. Now, don't don't say that. Linda's going to get annoyed. Oh, no. She loves the product. Okay. Way back in the day. It wasn't, I, that, it wasn't I, that long I, ago. I remember Telema- uh, Telemagic, right? I remember it when it came out because I was using 8020, uh, which was a DOS-based system, which I had just trained myself to use, and I'd be damned if I was going to change up now. Moving from one platform to another is terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, thing I thought was interesting was was Michael's path and a lot of a lot of parallels between between uh, uh, I guess our early careers. Michael went to school in um, uh, Maryland, and upon graduation, um, joined IBM, the Hagerstown branch, and really got uh, got interested in computers and technology at that point. And left IBM, I guess, after three or four years, moved to uh, Philadelphia, I believe, uh, and, and started programming. That's actually one of the reasons he understand that he left was to start programming and getting involved in, in the detail level of computers. Moved from there to Chicago, uh, again, doing programming, and then decided Chicago was just too cold. If you've been outside this week, you know what cold oh, is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got a nephew in Chicago. You're right. It's too cold. Yep. Uh, we just think we have lake effect down here. Uh, anyway, he left left uh, uh, Chicago, but nothing went to uh, San Diego. So I was in San Diego, started selling cars. So you go from selling computers to selling mm-hmm. cars. Uh, okay, so he's he's still learning yeah. something about sales. Well, yeah, it was, it was good good at that part of it, uh, but now he's starting to learn programming again, working on the side, and uh, started building another product, or actually his first product, uh, with another partner. So they, they had this nice product, which was actually really uh, uh, before personal computers came out. Right. So uh, this went along fairly good for a couple of years, and then everything totally blew up. And in the end, uh, Michael, I think, took personal bankruptcy and, Early that early eighties, eighty two, eighty three. Okay. So here he is in San Diego, no car, no credit, no nothing in the bank. God, that sounds no like nothing. what happened to me when my company went so under in two thousand and two, and I was stranded in Vegas. Oh, stranded in Vegas with no money, stranded in San Diego <laughs> with no money. Oh, Boy, man. this is horrible. Terrible, <laughs> terrible life. <laughs> uh, so what? What Michael do? Um, he can program, right? So now we start doing some little programming gigs on the side, uh, trying trying to build up um, enough revenue to do his next gig. And actually, this is some of the things that we we started doing the same thing also. But he ran across a customer that he was doing programming for, right? And suddenly realized that, you know, if we just had some automation behind all of our contacts, right. Instead of having pieces of paper and, and uh, index cards, if we had a, a automatic Rolodex or a, a mm-hmm. computerized Rolodex, every salesperson in the world would want one. Right now, every business yeah. would want one. Yeah, and remember now, what we're talking about is in the day before there was Outlook, so you didn't even have a basic relationship system on a contact list. You had nothing, and most of us that were in sales had this big thick notebook with business cards in it, which just well, you had the business card. Doesn't mean that you knew how to manage any of that. So this was a huge revolution. He he created a space that didn't exist. 
Exactly. But he didn't have any money. Uh-huh. He was just okay. programming on the side. So yeah. his one, one good customer that he had made a proposal to him that he would go ahead and, and build, his, build his program for him uh, and allow him to use it forever. Uh, one-time charge, really, I think it was around five grand that he needed. Uh, so he ended up building this program um, and really saw where, you know, there was t- tremendous uh, a market for it. So right. how, how do we get to that market? Right. Um, first of all, he, he uh, is going to be used in telemarketing, is going to be used over the telephone because you could dial out from the program. Uh, so he came up with a program called Telemagic. Mm-hmm. It originally, called, I think, it was called Michael's Magic Money Machine, but his uh, customer thought that's a little descriptive. It's very descriptive. It's, I think his customer thought that's just a little too pretentious and talked him out of it. Okay. Uh, um, and he went on to form his company, uh, which he called Remote Control International. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You were telling me this before, yeah. and I was going. I had a I had a dream back in the early two thousands that. I would control the universe from a PDA. So yeah, I, 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 I kind of gravitate to this. Uh, well, Michael, wanted, he wanted to be international, which the product eventually did become international. Uh, but he really liked the remote control piece well, of yeah, it. Yeah, I do too. And uh, since he was in San Diego and he loved uh, being on the beach, he wanted something he could control remotely from the beach while he was throwing his Frisbee. I don't know if he ever got to that point. But... Uh, Telemagic actually started uh, becoming a good product. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, the first DOS version was, re- was released in '85. Okay. Actually, I thought it was a little bit later than that, but well, uh, so that and that coincides with the first PCs. I mean, you remember mm-hmm. IBM, yeah. IBM PC, and and the PC Junior Peanut, and you know not we're many talking. People remember the PC. Yeah, well, not too many Cha- people are and, our age either. And, Char- and Charlie Chaplin as the uh, yep. uh, mascot for him. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I I remember that. So what he did is, you know, you figure that uh, Gates cut the deal with uh, IBM on a software package that he bought off of somebody else, mm-hmm. distribute that, and he just got a couple bucks per box. And now suddenly there are personal computers in businesses for the first time, and there is a program that you could buy. Because I remember when it came out, and you had a box, and you're going, well, what do I put on it? Because there wasn't much software. There wasn't go. any. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he started, well, you I bought think, anything. I think he started charging 95 bucks for the first, you know, when he first okay. started. And the price kept going up and going up. And I think he hit, uh, hit a ceiling somewhere around six or 700 bucks a pop where it uh, started getting a little bit of pushback. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he went from uh, DOS, he created a, a product for Macintosh. Right. And one for Unix. Ah, okay. Because so, Unix, there were a few companies with Unix in those days. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yep, they were. So. And so, and so it sounds like what he did is, and in this case, Ben, his blue ocean was he created something that just didn't exist. And this is probably one of the more difficult things to do because how do you sample? How do you, you know, they say, well, you do market research, you do focus groups, et cetera. How do you do this when you're talking? It's almost like you're talking in Swahili to people about this new idea. And they're like, they're not, they're not grasping the language, let alone the concept of what you're talking about mm-hmm. and yeah, so I, I feel kind of bad because i always had my own customer database right being, being a programmer i was always writing them uh every time ibm or somebody came up with a new piece of hardware i had to write it again uh which was kind of discouraging but so that's um 
so what he did is that, you know, if you take a look at what uh, what Mark talked about with, with Leadbury, Leadbury, what they did is that they've changed the nature. It sounds like, as we, we think about this, they changed the nature of the customer's experience with the company in that the, the, they're using crowdsourcing to design some of their products, mm-hmm. but they're also using the whole social media to deliver, which apparently, because you would think their competitors would be using that, they're not getting a competitive advantage from it. In this case, in this in the story of Telemagic, is that they created a brand new blue water that nobody else was in. Now, how long did he hold basically his monopoly? I believe Pat Sullivan uh, and, and Mike Mulvey created Act, I want to say, 87. So it was a very short period of time. Okay. Just like um, Gates and Steve, Steve Jobs were very close together. Yeah. Uh, Michael and uh, uh, Pat created products very close to the same time frame. But this was back, there was no social media back then. There was, oh, no, no, there, there was, wasn't. There were, ma- there were air- phone calls and, 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 and magazines and airplanes. And cards. You would write, you imagine the old days, because I still have the fountain pen I used to use. You would write a card out in longhand in ink saying thank you to somebody. In script. In script. Yes. Yeah, yes. that was social media. Nobody could nobody could read that now. Um <laughs> But it, back then, it was uh, with a small budget. There weren't too many things you could do. I mean, you could network locally, uh, but then you needed to uh, uh, needed to get in magazines. So ads in PC Magazine and, and uh, places like that where he first started advertising. Then he okay. started building out a sales channel. And the, uh, the, the sales channel really was, uh, I think, very loyal to the product because they were keeping going back and feeding ideas uh, and get telling Michael he needed to raise the raise the uh, uh, price of the product okay and so then what eventually happened did he get bought out or uh, in 80 91 and 92 he was on Inc 500 so that's okay. a very short period of time. all right in 2003 uh, it was sold to sage sage PLC Lumber. oh okay so and, and and for people who don't know sage was one of the early pioneers as well. And what they did, their growth strategy was acquisition mm-hmm. and they started buying and combining. Cause then they, didn't they buy and combine gold mine with act? Uh, no, they bought, uh, Pat Sullivan again, right. Created act, uh, sold it to semantic and created another product called sales logics oh. and went bought, bought act back again. And at just the right time, put them together in a company called interact software, which was just, you know, in the late nineties. And here we go into the, uh, a computer boom and, and the internet boom and, and ended up selling that both of those two products to uh, Sage also. Okay. Interesting because Sage is an accounting company that I'm not sure they really knew what to do with uh, sales products. So if you know, in, in your closing minute, um, how would you advise somebody to th- think the same way? Uh, this guy created something that didn't exist. What, what advice would you have for him about, okay, here, this is my business today. How do I think about creating something that nobody's got, nobody's doing? So therefore, I've got un- I've got a space that's not competitive. The advice I would give is get out of your comfort zone. Stop doing what you're doing because what you're doing right now is obviously not moving you uh, to that okay. blue ocean where you want to be. Stop doing what you're doing. Get out and broaden your horizons. Read, uh, travel, take some time off, uh, talk to different people that you're people that you don't know uh making your acquaintances and just broaden your horizons and maybe something will pop okay all right thanks ben 
Thank you. Good seeing you, and I'll see you in two weeks. So take care. Uh, this is Richmond Biz Live, and we'll be back. Hello, I'm William Eastman. You know me as the executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. In my other role as managing partner of the Growth Works, I spend time helping business owners get their companies on track and paying them back for years of investment and sacrifice. However, before I can make the necessary changes, you must answer the following question. Where are you? In our research, we have identified three types of small business, 80% that are just getting by, 15% who are doing okay but wondering what's next, and then there's the 5% who dominate a market or a niche, and what they're wondering is, how do I break out? So I pose the question to you, where are you? If you want to understand this question and the significance of the answer better, go to our membership site, growthworks.net, and download our paper on where are you. Learn how to move from the 80% to the 15 and from the 15 to the 5%. This level of success and profitability is within your reach. Gain the advantage over your competitors by downloading it today. And we're back. This is Bill Eastman. I am the executive producer of Richmond Biz Live and managing partner for the Growth Works. And I have segment three. And segment three is going to be kind of my contribution to the conversation of getting out of the box. And what we asked all our thought leaders to do as we looked at the Inc. 5000 for the last year or so, we looked at companies that were our favorites as well as looking at uh, different lists. And, of course, the Internet's perfect about that. If, By the way, if you want a hint to get traffic to your website, Come up with the seven steps to shooting yourself or um, the six smallest bikinis or, you know, you get where I'm going with this because people love lists. And so we looked at a number of those and we made some decisions about which companies that we have some knowledge of and some passion for. So what I'm going to do in my segment uh, about Blue Ocean or um, how to create a non-competitive space is I'm going to take Amazon and a company out of Lewis, um, Massachusetts called Denison lubricants they were number four nine eight five or something like that on the inc 500 uh because linda and i decided when we looked at the inc excuse me 5000 that we wouldn't go to the top because the top company grew over three years by 1800 and some odd percent and you know even even we would be listening to this going i can't do that but what this company has done is they had a 48% growth over three years. They went from 60 million to about 80 million and uh, it, they fit the profile. It's a company that started, had several different names, but it started back in 1868. And so if you think about this, oil was first discovered in Pennsylvania in the 1830s. And during the, from the 1830s till after the civil war, we used whale oil as a lubricant and whale oil is, you know, let's, let's stay out of the environmental issue here. Whale oil is perfect for very delicate, fine machinery, such as a watch. But if you were, if you're working with machinery, whales don't necessarily, whale oil just really didn't work very well. And so what these guys did is that they got in the business of taking petroleum and using it in the construction business. And they really didn't grow over the years. As a matter of fact, the Denisons didn't buy them out until about 30 years ago. And that's when the to- this is when the business took off. You remember when we talked about in, in all three seasons is this issue of the stages that companies go through is that we can't tell you how long it takes to get to that first reinvention. 
One of the companies that we studied in, in our research was Fastenal. They took 80 years. So here's a company that took 100 years to decide who it wanted to be when it grew up. Now, how did they radically change? Well, as the years went by, they focused on construction and heavy equipment machinery providing lubricants. So that's kind of the game that they play. And what they did is they did an Amazon. Now, let's go back to Amazon because I'll use it. I'll start with Amazon because we all know Amazon, just about all of us. Amazon, if we, if we look at location, time, properties, velocity, it's location where Amazon's winning the game and that they've changed the nature of retailing. Um, you don't need bricks and mortar. You basically get on Amazon and you can buy anything uh, because really what they become is a large supermarket. But not only that, look at where they're going with drone technology. I mean, they are dead serious. This is not a joke. When they talk about having drones in metropolitan areas to where if you buy something, you could have within the hour what you purchased if it happened to be an inventory in that particular area. Uh, and it's going to get delivered. I, I don't know how they're going to ring your doorbell with a, with a drone, but I'm sure they'll come up with something. And so the whole idea with that is that they've changed everything around the nature of location. And this is what these guys did because if you think about it and you're running a construction site, you don't have the time to take your equipment down. You don't have time to do the preventive maintenance. And what this company did is they came to their customers on their customer's time so you could run your construction equipment 8, 10, 12 hours a day, which is how you make money. And then this company came in and they would lubricate and take care of all of those parts of the lubrication process on your equipment after hours. Until then, you had to take that piece of machinery and you had to take it to somebody's uh, garage and that's where you had to have it serviced. And what these guys did is they said, no, we'll just come to the account. And so they put together a fleet of vans and they went out there and now what they're doing is they're servicing the customer in the field. There is no downtime. They're growing so quickly now that they've just opened up another facility in Maine. Now, I don't know what the future is. And, you know, when we talk about these companies like Ben, you talk about Telemagic. Telemagic had the, the, the bulge on the industry for about 10 years. So nobody ever holds it for a long period of time. The advantage that you gain is always short, especially if you're in a dynamic business. But here's a company, and they just probably sat around one day because all the research I did on them, I couldn't find out how they came to this conclusion. But I'm sure it was probably some sales guy who said, well, you know, our problem is nobody wants to bring the equipment in. And what if we loaded up a van and created a maintenance van and went to them and did the work there? How would that go? And it's kind of like, well, let's give it a try. So Denison is a good example of a company who has taken the issue of location and changed the nature of their particular gain. And they're a company that you could replicate. And I would recommend if you want it, uh, their website is Denlube, D-E-N-L-U-B-E. I'm on their website right now, Denison Lubricants. They've got their story. It's a, it's a compelling story. And they're just like the rest of us. They've stayed in business a long period of time. They finally figured it out. And then suddenly they had a couple, a, a, a string of consecutive good ideas about how to change the nature of the business. And now suddenly they're an $80 million a year firm. And I am sure that when the family bought it in the 70s, um, that is not what they were thinking about. They were, they probably bought a local mom and pop that was a five to $10 million company at best. And so here, another great example of that. So let me, let me come back to this as I'm, I'm looking at kind of my close here, uh, for the day. And I want to talk about this. I want to kind of go through the factors again, and I want to talk about what you can expect because unlike seasons one to three, 
it's easily scripted. In other words, we've got, we've got a library of best practices. We looked at the growth of the company, look at the different stages. We could isolate what attributes we want to talk about. And that became the flavor of the show. That's what we worked on. This one here is really different because there we were asking you, take the stuff we give you and use it and then get back to us and tell us how it's working. Here, I'm challenging you. I'm trying to inspire you. I'm challenging you to look at your business and go, if it's, if it's gotten stale, it's gotten stale because you let it get stale. It's time to take a look at that business and say, how do I create a space where there is uncontested? How do I create a space where I don't have any competitors? And if I can do that, my, my competitive advantage may not be long. It may only be a year or two or three or four, but you know what? Here's what happens is that when you get, when you take the leadership role uh, in a particular industry or niche, you force your competitors to copy you because very seldom are you competing with people as smart as you. I I'll say it that way, because if they were as smart as you, they would go, I'm not going to copy him. I'm going or her, I'm going to leapfrog them and I'm going to come up with the new, the best new idea. They don't typically do that. What they do is say, wow, we got to do that. So they get involved in going, all right, they're doing this, this, and this. So let's copy that. Well, it's beautiful because it gives you about a year or two where you can then say to them, all right, if you're going to copy me, I'm going to let you because I'm going to be working on the next great thing. And by the time you have spent all this time and money and investment into this new business idea, uh, we're going to introduce our own and we're basically going to make it difficult for you to compete. And I'll give you an example of that is that's Chrysler uh, Chrysler car company in the early nineties before they were sold, um, uh, before they were sold to Daimler is that from about 1989 to 1994, Chrysler was the hottest car company in the United States. And the reason for that was platform time. So what they did is they made their competitive advantage speed. In other words, the industry average Toyota had the industry average at 22 months. So from the time a, a designer started working on a car design till it rolled off and was headed to the car lot to be sold it was about a 22 month time. Uh, Ford was around 32 months. General Motors was almost 40 months in the platform time. So what Chrysler did, they got it down to 17 months. So they would turn something out. It would sell. Ford and GM would go, damn, we got to copy it. So they'd start copying it. And about halfway through their product redevelopment cycle, Chrysler snaps a new one on the market. And then suddenly you're stuck with well, I can't put this out because it doesn't have the features that equal the features that the that the that the, is now available to customers. So they had to re-engineer the cars. So their releases were late, and by the time they released them, the cost of this was so high they were like the Chevy Lumina. General Motors never made a penny on it because of what Chrysler did to them. And so here's a case of where a company played with speed. That's where we are this season. Where we want you to go is in your thought process. Is to think about is it location? Is it my location? Is it the client's location? Is it the location of the transaction? Is it the location of the delivery of the service? But somehow can I change location and make that a, a discriminating factor with my customer? Maybe I can, maybe I can. Maybe, maybe what I can do is I can use time. Maybe the function here is, much like FedEx did, is that I can change the nature of business in that it used to be that you had to have stuff in the mail about a week prior to its delivery date, especially if you were in my business and you had to get a contract out to somebody so you could win a bid. There was a request for bids. If it wasn't in on a certain date, you didn't win. Well, it used to be that about four days prior, you'd give it to the post office, send it air, air, air mail, 
and pray that it showed up. Now at FedEx, drive to the airport. FedEx, that guy's open, I think, at Richmond Airport till 8 o'clock at night. If you hand it to that person at 8 o'clock at night, you know with the certainty of gravity, it's showing up the next day. So what they did is they changed time, and they changed time for their customers to make their customers far more competitive. That three days was enormous in terms of what it did for my business. Or it could be the property side in terms of what are the elements of what I sell. And so remember this is that even if you sell products, products are, are, are maybe the center of something, but products are always bundled. They've always an experience that's bundled around that. So maybe what you do is you fix the product and make it superior to the customer, Apple, or what you do is you take the experience that the customer has in buying it, in consuming it, in getting it serviced, uh, having problems with it, but maybe it's the experience around the product that makes a difference. IBM competed for years on this one. IBM computers were never the state of the art of the best computers in the industry, never. And I worked for IBM as a consultant for a couple of years up in their marketing area in the greater New York, uh, New York City area. And they all knew that. Why did you buy an IBM product? You bought an IBM product because if it broke, what did you know? They would parachute IBM techs into your company that day and take it over and make it work. And so you bought an inferior machine for an inflated price for one reason, because when it broke, you got that help. And what they did is they took a, let's say an average product and they bundled an incredible experience around it and change the nature of the game because nobody, debt tried it, and Hewitt Packard tried it. Um, I'm, th I'm trying to think of the, who did HP buy out? We had DEC, we had um, Compact, uh, or yeah, we had Compact. None of them could compete with IBM in this way. Um, or the last one is the issue of speed and the of how quickly we can do stuff, and I talked about that in terms of, of, of uh, Chrysler Motors versus Toyota, versus General Motors is that platform time, as they recognized, was where they could compete and they changed the nature of their production process so that they could be lean, as Andy would say, lean. And lean means fast with no defect, which also means lower cost. And so I want you to think about that as uh, we move from this week to next, because next week we're going to do the same thing. We're going to take three of our favorite businesses, we're going to take them and we're going to take them apart. And the only reason to do that is to have one of these, one of these stories sounds so compatible to what you do as a company for you to go, wow, you know, I could do that. And all you need is a trigger. All you need is a trigger to get started. But on top of that, what I'd also like to do is I'd also like to make this offer to you. You go to our website and you sign up right now, which is www.richmondbizlive.com. Uh, and you go to the contact page. And what it'll do is ask for an email address. What we'll do then is I will send you an invite to a forum area that we are creating for you to put in your idea to get our expertise. In other words, every day, somebody from the show will be manning that forum space. And we, if we don't have the answer, we will get you the answer. So if you're thinking about how to create your own blue ocean, how to create your own non-competitive space, Put those ideas in there, and you can tap into our expertise and get that information. And so look for that uh, this week. Um, it, I, I've got it ready. I just haven't put the link up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do it by email right now. Next week we'll have a link up there because we, uh, we do all our own work here. This is definitely a 
bootstrap. And as we were talking about yesterday, it was an interesting aside, but it's true is that if you've been listening to the show over the last three seasons, you know that we're a startup. When we, on April 5th, our first show on a Saturday, we were a brand new company. And what we're doing now is you're, we're basically in our second stage of growth as a, as a business, but right before your eyes or right before your ears, you're watching a startup take place. And so that's also part of the fun is that we have some sense of who we're going to be when we grow up. And on the other hand, we don't. So with that, have a great business week, wealth and prosperity, everyone. host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website at richmondbizlive.com and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. One hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar for the most important hour in your week.